Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by SKP Creative. We live in an online world, and online reviews have the ability to make or break your business. Reviews powered by SKP Creative is the fastest and easiest way to get great reviews from your loyal customers on the platforms of your choice. There's no complicated setup, no expensive training. It's just a simple, intuitive interface created with small business owners in mind. Visit reviews.skpcreative.com to start generating more reviews for your business today. That's reviews.skpcreative.com. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to the Amarillo Area Foundation, to Heal the City, to the Texas Panhandle Heritage Foundation, to the Guy and Saunders Resource Center, and to StoryBridge. These are all amazing organizations. I hope you'll support them this season. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Jeff Renteria. Jeff is one of those guys whose career doesn't fit onto a tidy business card which is something I know a little bit about. He's a DJ. He's a community organizer. He's one of the founders of the annual Back to School Barrio Bash at El Alamo Park every August. He's constantly working for the good of that neighborhood, Amarillo's historic barrio. In fact, in October, at the Hispanic Heritage Luncheon at the Amarillo Civic Center, Jeff was awarded the Heart of the Barrio Award for his efforts. So I invited him onto the show to talk about who he is, what he does, and why he works so hard to elevate his community. Here's Jeff Renteria. Jeff Renteria, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you're here. I want to start with you the same way I start with all my guests, and that's just to ask why you're in Amarillo in the first place. So what brought you to this area? Well, born and raised here. Uh, both my parents, well, I would... My father was born here in Amarillo. My mother was born in Hill Center. She moved here, met my dad, and we went to Our Lady of Guadalupe Elementary School on the east side. Okay. We went to Bowie, Cap Rock, and been here ever since. Okay. Do you know why your parents had you go to the Catholic school instead of uh, like Glenwood or whatever you, is over there? Well, it was crazy because I grew up a block away from Glenwood, and it was a lot easier to probably go there. But uh, my family roots, they had a lot to do with Our Lady of Guadalupe, so okay. they wanted to help out the school, help me out. and Yeah. You know, Church uh, your family went to, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was a uh, family roots. Do you know uh, what brought your family to this area? Like why your parents were here? Um, well, as far as I would go to my grandparents, probably the railroad. Both my grandparents worked for the railroad, so that's the main reason we're in Amarillo. Okay, there, there's a long history of families in the barrio With working the for the yeah. railroad. I mean, it, it runs through the neighborhood, yeah, but exactly. like uh, that was a big part of just getting it built. You know, in the late 1800s i think yeah and uh, that's the reason i'm here and that's the part of the reason i went to our lady was my grandfather my great grandfather helped somewhat build a lot of the things inside of the church okay and he met other families that worked for the railroad and i'm sure that's how we kind of got hired with the railroad as well and it's, it goes a lot deeper than that you know but oh i'm, I I'm sure it does so much. i'm sure it does <laughs> what, what was it like going to school at our lady oh man i loved it it was a uh, it was not a very big school. I would say that my class was maybe 12 or 13 kids in it. The other classes as well, 10, 12, and our teachers, it was really a one-on-one learning. If there's anything I would like to, that I learned the most there, it's probably manners. And, okay. you know, that was, that's one thing I pride myself in is yes, sir, no, ma'am. And 
we learned all that there at that school. Catholic schools are pretty good about <laughs> yeah, teaching that sort of yeah. thing. And I mean, we learned, you know, the basic stuff to everything, you know, that you're supposed to be taught in school. But I think that's more important. And that's what a lot of schools have lacked or still lack to this mm-hmm. day. As you moved into public schools, was it different? Did it, did oh. it feel like a new world? Oh, man. I remember my first day at Bowie. I was so scared. <laughs> <laughs> I I got dropped off and right by the courtyard. And I looked in there. It was at least six, 700 kids. Yeah. I'm used to the whole school, 70 kids. I was I was freaked out. I didn't know how to respond. And my mom told me that morning, she goes, me, well, you'll be running this school before you know it. Not running, but, you know, you'll know everybody here. Yeah. And she was right. I mean, in Bowie, I started playing sports, made friends, and led to Caprock. And now I know everybody in the neighborhood. I'm a, I get along with everybody. I can relate. I can talk to the, the, the homeless, the people that have great jobs. You know, I'm just a nice, friendly face in the neighborhood. When you got close to graduation at Caprock, did uh-huh. you know what you wanted to do after that? I didn't. Work for the railroad? <laughs> you know, I, it's crossed <laughs> my mind, but... No, I uh, I want. I went to AC. It was for journalism. I probably okay. wanted to be doing what you're doing, really. Well, and, it's uh, not too late. You can still yeah, do that, right? It's not. But uh, that's what I. That was my goal. I've always wanted to write in a magazine. It didn't matter which one. It just. I just wanted to write about things I was interested in, and uh, kind of weird now because magazines ain't a thing. Yeah, <laughs> barely. Yeah, I mean they're still out there, but now it's you know social media. You get on a on the on the internet and you have to read articles through there which is basically a magazine just through the internet yeah it's just it's just a new format the the writing is still happening it's just packaged differently yeah so coming out of high school that's what i wanted to do and it's not what i'm doing now but it's still one of my passions did you did you end up graduating no i didn't end up graduating i ended up having to work full-time things kind of happened in just high school and went to ac for about a year and okay got too hard so tell me tell me what what your career has looked like i i know you've got a lot of of community involvement, volunteer stuff. But uh, tell me just in terms of paycheck, you know, what has your career been like since then? Well, it's been up and down. Um, I've had my family is, uh, they do a lot of masonry work. Mm-hmm. And I've done that for a long time with my uncles, my grandpa and the uh, fireplaces, custom fireplaces. It's been good. I mean, it's rough work, but it's, they've done well for themselves. And that's what I've done. And I also DJ full time. Okay. One of my hobbies is selling sports cards, collecting sports memorabilia, and I do that every day on eBay, and that's really what's been paying the bills, believe really? it or not. Yeah. It's, it, during COVID, it really took off, and I know that's recent, but that's when I learned how to do it, and I've gotten really good at it. Buying it and then reselling Buying, it, reselling, finding yeah. somebody who really wants that yeah, kind that, of stuff. And, you know, you can find stuff at Walmart, open it, get lucky, and resell it, or you can send them to get graded and sell them for a lot more. It's, mm-hmm. a lot, it's kind of a, you got to be really into it to kind of understand, but... Yeah. The the world of eBay has changed a lot in, I don't know, the past five or ten yeah. years. Is it still a pretty good marketplace for the kinds of stuff that you do? It, it is, but it's, they call it fee bay now on the streets because yeah. there's so many fees that you have to pay and you don't get as much as you want. But it is the biggest platform in the world as far as selling online. Okay. So, I mean, if you want to sell, that's that's the place to sell it. When you're talking about you know sports memorabilia, I mean everybody knows you know trading cards and stuff like yes, that. Sir. What what other kinds of stuff is it? Uh, autographed baseball bats, helmets, autographed gloves. There's cards now that have pieces of their sock or their hat on there. It's oh, came really? a long way, yeah. And they're like really chunky. They got the Nike logos, um, the NFL logo, all kinds of different things that hmm. evolved from you know the early, I mean the early '90s and '80s. It's 
the cards are way thicker. The quality's it's really good now. Is there a, a certain sport that you specialize in, or is it kind of everything for well, you? Well, I was really into football at first, and um, I've learned that football, the quarterback is the only one that really sells. I mean, you got to hmm. be really interested in the team or a player. Nobody wants the offensive lineman's yeah. jersey they, or anything yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. Nobody. I mean, you got to be a diehard. You know, that's got to be your kid or something to want that card sometimes. Yeah. But uh, I went from football to basketball and now baseball. That's kind of where I've. I do it as a hobby, but you also got to be in it to make some money as well, mm -hmm. because if you, you're going to lose all your money if you just do it for fun. So baseball is kind of what I'm into right now. What's the what's the name of your family's masonry company? Uh, Lorenco Stone. Okay. It's my uncle Richard. His daughter's name is Lauren. And so it's Lauren Coble, Lorenco Stone. Tell me about that work. I, I know you've been involved in it some and... You know, there's a lot of discussions happening about, you know, kids that go to AC. Um, college isn't for everybody, yeah. like you may have found out, but you can you can make a really good living as a tradesman. You really can. Um, what what have you learned with, with that being sort of the family business? I mean, is, is, is that true? Do you see people that really find fulfillment in doing that kind of work? It's hard, but... It, you're right. It is. Uh, some people do it just to get by until the next job comes mm -hmm. and then you'll find people that is really their passion. And I have a a buddy named Paul Hernandez and man, he loves doing that work. He takes pride in it. He'll sit there. Not that he takes a long time, but mm -hmm. he makes sure he does a great proper job. And I guarantee you, to me, he's one of the best in town at what he does. He's great at laying the stone. We don't do too much brick work anymore, but the white stone that we do, man, or that he does, it's amazing. And, he really takes passion and pride in it. It's taking him a long way. It's a, he gets paid great. I mean, yeah. It's, it is hard, but when you love what you do, it's, it's not that hard. And he's excited to go to work the next day. He's excited to finish the job and mm -hmm. move on and find the next project that comes up. There are a lot of businesses like that. I mean, and, and I'll ask you this since I know you are so well known and um, you know the Barrio neighborhood so, so well that there are a lot of businesses like that that are thriving and it's, you know, it's in construction trades yeah. and uh, it's not always a flashy business, but like there are families that do very well. There are kids that go into their parents' business. There are a lot of people that those kinds of businesses have built Amarillo. And I wonder yes, if you sir. can talk about what kind of what you know about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, Lorenco Stone for one, you know, that my uncle took that company far and I look at the same with the roofing. My neighbor across the street, it's a family business and, he has his kids helping, and, you know, I'm sure he wants them to go to school to probably not do what he's doing, but, I mean, the way I look at it is if you enjoy it, you get paid good, I mean, why not do it? Yeah. I mean, of course, you, you want to save, and you can't do it forever. You, you got to work towards your savings, but, yeah, there's uh, tons of companies like that in the neighborhood, in the barrio, that uh, even meat cutting, like the the – the meat places next to or down the street from my house, the Carneserias, as we call them. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's not an easy job cutting the meat every day. And that's a local business. Um, you see all the little Carneserias around town, they're family owned and it's it's good money. But I know the Mexican parents want their kids to get out of that and do something better. But I'm sure the kids are like, what? I love this. This is great yeah. money. This is my family roots. And I think that's what's hard is that the parents want them to get out, but the kids are so entered. Or, you know, they want to be doing that to help the family legacy live on. Well, there's pride in it, I think. You're right, I, that's I, what it is. 
I think every generation of parents wants their kids to not have to work as as hard as they did. And I know a lot of those jobs are physically demanding. And once you get into your 50s or 60s, like it's harder to do. And so you don't want your kid just doing hard labor all of their life. But again, like those are are jobs that uh, that are important. Yeah, they are. And they mean a lot to the family and the kid, you know, so. You mentioned that, you know, everybody talk to everybody uh, in the Barrio neighborhood. Do you still live there? Yes, sir, I do. I actually have a house there and recently just got a new house, but I still, I'm still in the field, as I call it. Okay. I, still, I have to live there or have a house there to really be, not relevant, but in order to, what's the word I'm looking for, to relate to the people in the neighborhood okay. as well. Because I feel if I leave, the kids that do look up or the, you know, the people in the neighborhood are like, oh, you're not even here no more. How can, how are you telling or helping us out if you're not even in the neighborhood yeah so the uh, there. you can't fake the authenticity <laughs> exactly yes and even if i was to be gone i feel they would still relate but i feel with still having a house there and i'm there every day i can relate a whole lot more and you know a lot more respect and they see that i care for people who don't know the neighborhood you know maybe they've maybe they've driven through on the way to dick bivens or, or <laughs> yeah. something like that tell them what you love about the barrio Oh man, the unity, the uh, the people, the culture. There's, you know, a lot of the times on the news, we're more publicized for you know the negative things that happen there. And I feel maybe the last few years, there's a few positive things coming out of there, and that's what I'm trying to change. Um, there's negative that happens all over the town, but the food, the people, everybody's kind and courteous. Man, it's amazing. I just. I can go down the street to the dollar store to Fiesta Foods and I run into somebody I know and it's, hey, how's it going? You know, and even if they live a few blocks away from you, you might not see them every day, mm-hmm. but it's like you just, you see a, a, a happy face everywhere you go. And it's uh, the camaraderie, like I said, the the culture, it's, it's very well and alive right there. And a lot of families are like yours and that the parents grew up there, had a home there, their kids end up living there. And so if you don't know somebody personally, you're going to know somebody who knew your parents or your uncles. And it's funny you say that because I always ask my daughter, uh, what's their last name? And she's like, I don't know. Like, well, I'm pretty sure I know if you just tell me their last name. Somebody's got to know somebody from somebody through their last name somehow, you know? And I was like, well, ask them. And then sure enough, she comes home and she tells me like, oh yeah, I know her dad or I know their cousin or something, you know? Tell me about the uh, the Barrio Bash because I know you're you're one of the founders of that event and it's become a really big event. So tell me how that started. Well, at Alamo Park, we would just go play horseshoes for fun, small tournaments. My dad, me, and my father DJ. So we would have a little events, you know, ten teams, twelve teams. We'd raise, I think, we'd charge twenty bucks a team, so that'd be around two hundred, three hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first place winner would get all the money, and uh, as it kept going the more teams would join. I'm like, man, this is some decent money. You know, we can use this to go towards something else instead of just the money prize to the winners. So one of my buddies, Donnie, he was like, hey, man, you know what we should do? Let's start doing, uh, like, giving backpacks or using that money to go back to the kids in this neighborhood because kids would be running around with their parents just playing, and we wouldn't have food. And uh, so we tried that one year. In our first year that we started, we had 40 backpacks, Hmm. and we just had a little fold-out table. Kind of like this, and even just the, like the, not the full backpacks, but the, the, the little. Like with the strings? Yeah, with those, yeah. yeah. 
And I was like, hey, these are cool. You know, anything helps. Anything just for that neighborhood to give back. That's all we were trying to do. So that was the first year. Second year, like 120. Third year, I think we got like 400. Then the next grew and COVID happened. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to really hit it hard after COVID. And, uh, and it just took off, man. I just, I try to put small businesses in the community on. By on, I mean like they might already be well known, mm-hmm. but I just want them to be recognized in our neighborhood and, you know, make them feel special, do a little interview with them. And that's what really set it off was the interviews. Everybody loved it. And man, now it's huge. It's, it's crazy. Tell me what this year's bash looked like just in terms of numbers of people or numbers oh. of businesses, vendors, all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't know exactly the amount of vendors, but I would say between 30 to 40 vendors. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as people, Man, me and my dad have had this debate between twenty five to three thousand people. Wow, maybe more, but at one time I would say twenty five hundred to three thousand at one time. But people coming and going, yeah. probably over three thousand, and it was just amazing, man. There's all races. I know it's called East Side of the Valley Bash, but I'm just taking pride in where it's held. But everybody's invited. I mean, this year there was Somalians, uh, Asians, the from every side of town you can imagine. They all showed up. All at, always at El, Alamo yeah, Park. Alamo Park, yes, sir. I mean, and now it's getting, Alamo Park's pretty big, but I don't know next year. I mean, we're going to do it there next year, but next year it might get too packed. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to move it, but you never know. Well, the location is, is kind of central to it. I don't know it's, if there's a big enough place still connected to the barrio. Yeah, exactly. It. And you have to have it there. That's what I was thinking, because I know Elwood Park is huge, but it's not in the barrio. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of defeats the purpose to not have it in the, you know, when it's titled El Barrio Bash, so. Horseshoes are still a part of it? Oh, man. This year, I'm glad you mentioned that because this year was our biggest tournament we've ever had. I think we had 59 teams. Hmm. So, oh, and we also added horseshoe pits just for this reason. Yeah, really to, nice ones too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people from the community donated time and money and got together. We had a Stevenson's Concrete donate the, the concrete. Ortega Lawn Care donated the grass. Um, Ramos fencing did the fence so it was just everybody coming together and that's really what helped out a lot and for the coming year because the money we raised from the Horsey tournament will go towards next year's supplies too so the more pits we've had that helps us have more teams entered in the previous years we've only had two pits yeah and we've added six now so I yeah mean, that's that's a huge change so what what kinds of things are you able to do with um, the fundraising aspect of it with with the money that comes in. So in previous years, we would donate all the money from the tournament to the Wesley. Mm-hmm. But um, that was when the Vario Bash wasn't so big. And now that it's gotten bigger, we've only we've given half of the money to the Wesley, and which I think was maybe $1,200 this year. So six to them, and we keep six. But with that money, it can go towards paper plates, napkins, uh, pencils, Anything that the kids can use to put in their backpack mm-hmm. or backpacks. So that, and that's another thing. I don't usually like taking money donations. I really ask for people to donate supplies or backpacks because we are, we're not a nonprofit or I don't have any kind of paperwork for nonprofit. Yeah, you don't no. have the legal stuff. Yeah. And I know that's pretty hard. And before I had time with my friends, you know, they, they did have time to help out a lot. Now they're, they have kids, and it's, and it's a lot's changed in the last five years. And now it's kind of just me and uh, my family and people from the neighborhood helping. And I know they're busy, too. So 
So that's why I like to mention that y'all get the supplies, but don't give us money. We don't mm-hmm. need, I mean, we, of course money will help, but we would, we could really use the supplies and backpacks and more than anything. How many backpacks did you give out last year? So this year, I think we gave out around 14 to 1500. Okay. Yeah. It's a lot a lot of change from 40 backpacks. Yeah, that's a started. that's and a big it's, change. And it's only been in five years, so from 40 to, I would say, max 1,500. I, I know you've got a perspective on it as one of the organizers that you're coming at it from that direction. What do you think it means to the community just to have, you know, whether whether they play horseshoes or whether it's a kid getting a backpack or a vendor, whatever, just to have that sort of event taking place every year in the neighborhood? You know, I don't know what it means to them, but if I was on the outside looking in, I remember not too long ago, I, I wished somebody would uh, do what we're doing. I I look at the church events and I'm like, oh, that's cool, you know, like our Lady of Guadalupe has their fiestas and a lot of people would go, but not everybody goes to that church. Other churches have their events. And I was like, well, why can't we just do something? I'm not saying that doesn't require religion, mm-hmm. but, you know, something that everybody can attend without religion having to play a part in it. And uh well, you don't have a lot of, let's say, if they're Protestant, you know, residents don't yeah. really want to go to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Catholic residents might not want to go to Power Church, you know. Yeah. And so there, there, there are some kind of built-in fences with some of that, and you don't want that to get exactly, in the way of anything. Yeah, and I try. Of course, I'm religious, but I try not to bring religion into the event either. But this year, Power Church did help us out a lot too, you know, with the donation. So that was cool. And uh, it's a church in the barrio, so. I support them as well, and Our Lady. I mean, mm-hmm. any church in the neighborhood, really. I hope that they, I mean, I know they enjoy it. It's it's really cool just to see friends from past years and be friends you haven't seen in forever. Um, just to go eat a hot dog, hang out, drink a beer. I mean, it's it's been amazing what has changed in these last five years. Because before that, I don't feel there was an event in the community that was non-religious, that, was, that this many people come to attend. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I would have to really sit down and ask them, you know, I know how I feel, but I, I hope they're proud. I, I just, that's the main thing to me is I want them to be proud of where they come from. And even though the poverty level is a little higher there, mm-hmm. I still want them to be proud of where they're from. And, you know, we, we're just like everybody else. We can make it out too. I mean, we're not any different than anybody else from the other side of town. You, uh, you received a, an award a couple of weeks ago at the Hispanic heritage event and i i wonder if you can talk a little bit about that was was that something you expected did you start the barrio bash thinking all right they're gonna start giving me (laughs) awards for this thing (laughs) i I didn't i mean i was uh i was shocked because they had the the previous two years and i thought i would i thought i would win it those previous years and Mm -hmm. i kind of wanted to win it to put the barrio bash on the map you know to kind of put everything you know, not for my sake, but I was going to use that as a platform to get everything out. And Elevate now, the event. So. Yeah. And now I'm like, it's already, the event's already so huge. You know, I don't have to talk about it anymore. But um, it was still, I, I it was cool, man. It was very humbling. Um, I didn't expect it at all. I checked my email. And I think the deadline, I think I checked it the day after the deadline. I wrote them back and I said, oh, I'm sorry. I barely seen this. I said, I hope it's not too late. See, a lot's going on in my personal life. And they just said, uh, okay, we'll get back with you. And then a few days later, they called me and said, hey, you won. You just got to show up. And man, mm-hmm. it was cool because my parents went. A lot of people from the neighborhood I knew was there. A lot of the local businesses that support were there. It was cool. And I got 
I, I don't get too nervous like when I'm out with a lot of people around, but like when there's a mic in front of me or I get put on like the spotlights there, I, I get pretty nervous. And then before I went up there, I was my palms are sweaty. <laughs> I told my girlfriend, I was like, I feel like Eminem right now, palms are sweaty, mom's spaghetti, walk up there, and <laughs> had spaghetti legs and even just standing there, I was I was shaking, but I enjoyed it and I always tell people it's not about me. This the, the award was really for the neighborhood, not for me. Did you ever think about leaving Amarillo? Like when you were about to graduate, when you were kind of getting started in your career, did you think I'm gonna go someplace else? Yeah, believe it or not, I did. I used to live in around oh, I wanna say live. I was there for like six months. And uh I tried to make a go there. I was eighteen, it was tough. Mm-hmm. And I came back and made it work here. And still to this day, I think about moving sometimes, but it's really hard to think about it, especially with as much I got going on right now in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe when I'm like retired in like 60s or 70s, you know, but it's really hard to think about even leaving, not just the East Side, but Amarillo. It, it's it's weird to think about, but. As a result of being so involved in your community, what have you learned about Amarillo itself? Like maybe something that when you were a kid, you didn't really appreciate, but now as an adult, as somebody who's planning events, who's getting involved, what, what do you appreciate? I appreciate the family ties, I guess you could say. And I'm sure that goes throughout Amarillo. If you're on the north side or west side or east side, I really loved growing, how I, when I grew up, my dad would introduce me to his friends and uh, I'd meet their kids and then just from so on and so on, you you know everybody throughout your community. And that's what's really helped me get to this point right now is the ties that my family had had and, you know, the respect that my parents taught me to have. It's, it's came a long way. And the like I said, the unity, that is something I really appreciate now that I'm older. When And I didn't exactly understand it when I was yeah. younger, but it's came a long way now. It's got me this far. This episode is supported by attorney Dean Boyd. My son Owen was in a pretty bad wreck at Texas A&M right after we dropped him off for his sophomore year of college. It wasn't his fault, but he got broadsided by another driver and it rolled Owen's car. He climbed out the sunroof and walked away from it. And of course, we're grateful for that, but his car was totaled and Owen was left with a shoulder injury. So one of our first calls was to Dean Boyd's office. Dean had been a guest on this podcast back in 2019. I knew his story, but it wasn't until Owen became a client that we really understood what he does and how meaningful it is. Working with his office was amazing. They treated Owen right, they answered our questions, they made the process seamless, and they were able to negotiate a settlement that covered our son's medical bills and satisfied all of us. We visited Owen a couple of weekends ago at A&M, and we drove past the location of his wreck, and there's just still a lot of emotion attached to that. For us as parents, Dean's office was a lifeline during a really stressful period. I'm just so grateful for it. I can't say enough good things about the law office of attorney Dean Boyd. If you've been hurt in a wreck, call him at 806-242-3333 or visit deanboyd.com. Okay, I'm back with Jeff Renteria. Jeff, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and it serves more than 62 local school districts with educational programs, including field trips, educators' guides, and hands-on trunk rentals. You can learn more at panhandleplains.org. 
Okay, so first question. When you think of Amarillo 10 years from now, what do you hope for? Well, I would hope for less poverty. Right now I see a lot of homeless people on the streets. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I noticed that has been a big problem in Amarillo. So I would maybe more shelters or, you know, less homeless on the street. Maybe uh, more programs for kids out there that are in those situations. Yeah. So that'd probably be my that's that one. that's it's it's been a problem for a long time yeah. in Amarillo. I I know there are some efforts underway to try to address it. I wonder, like you know, we we see a lot of it along I forty. Yeah, uh, just people passing through. Did, do you see a lot of it, like within the barrio area? I mean, there's there's a bunch near the bus station. There's a bunch. You know, I I don't. Where mainly sometimes at Alamo Park, I'll see people by the restrooms. Sometimes by McDonald's right off I forty in Ross. Mm -hmm. But um, I used to go and volunteer or donate a lot of my time to the Guy on Saunders Resource Center. Yeah. And I know they had Tent City a while back, and that's what it's kind of looking like right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, not just there. If you go across those railroad tracks a little more to the north, there's a lot of homeless and homeless children there as well. Yeah. I passed, but that's kind of what bothered me the most, was seeing the kids. But Okay. Yeah. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of? Eh, I don't know. I don't think I'm okay with where Amarillo's at as far as too much of anything, I guess. I don't see nothing that catches my eye. Nothing you'd you'd like to reduce. I mean, pollen, I guess so that comes with that comes with the <laughs> Well, that, that is comes, related to the wind. That comes with the wind as well, but no, not really. Okay. What does this area not have enough of? And what I would like to see more of is locally owned businesses. I feel like that helps Amarillo out tremendously. I would like to see a lot more restaurants, um, I'm not knocking the chain restaurant or chain businesses, but I would like to see a lot more people support the smaller businesses and more smaller businesses come up. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I really appreciate about Amarillo, especially when you go to the north side, the east side, um, is that there are so many just small mom and pop restaurants. Yeah. And like, I feel like I'm discovering places that I've never yeah. heard of. And I've lived here all my life. Me too. <laughs> you probably yeah. are too. And so I feel like, We've got a lot of them. It's just they have their own very tight clientele. And exactly, we don't yeah. know about it. And when people do find out, you know, they do go. I mean, for instance, Rocket Brews, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, even the local convenience stores, B&B &B on 10th, Fiesta Foods, that's mm -hmm. locally owned. Yep. Um, there's tons. I could go on and on. But, yeah, I would love to see, not even just on the east side, I mean, throughout Amarillo, you know, a, a locally owned coffee shop you know i mean there's tons that we see the i'm not a big coffee drinker but starbucks is everywhere you know i wish we'd see more smaller ones that yeah. our fellow friends would go to you know instead of that but okay I mean, that's just my opinion i no, i totally agree with that i i like that what's one local nonprofit you appreciate um so my friend uh ashley herrera herrera she has a it's called the vario shoe project okay. she actually helped me out a lot this year with the uh, vario bash and they, uh, in the Caprock cluster, I guess you could say Glenwood, Sanborn, Bowie, um, they're trying to start little closets for kids that don't have the finances to go buy new shoes. Or, okay. you know, if they have new shoes at the beginning of the year and they don't last all year, they'll be able to uh, go get shoes given to them from uh, the closet. And that's one that I'm really standing behind right now. They're kind of newer. Okay. But they're, they'll be uh, making a name for themselves this coming summer and this year. All right, good. So, yeah, I'll be we'll on talk the lookout about them for a that. Little, we'll talk about them a little more later. Okay, good. What's your favorite street in Amarillo? I would say, well, 
I wouldn't say this is my favorite street. Southeast 6th Amarillo. That's actually where I grew up, live. Um, it's right from Ross Street to Williams, right by East Park. Okay. So my grandfather, my my aunts, my tias, my uncles, man, almost that whole block was our family. Maybe like four houses that weren't. And uh, that street means a lot to me. There's a lot of roots there. Uh, my grandfather had his roosters of... Still to this day, my, I got a lot of cousins that live down there. My aunt lives at the corner. A few of them passed away and the houses have sold, but man, I love it right there. It just feels, it is home, but. That's that's one of the things I think is really cool about the Barrio neighborhood is that you'll have like families just kind of taking over a block yeah. and you know, multiple generations, multiple homes. They're all kind of interrelated because it's, it's aunts and uncles and grandparents. Exactly. And I, I think that's super cool. It is, man. You can just walk down the street. My Both my grandparents have passed away, but. I would literally literally just walk four houses down diagonally and mm-hmm. be at my grandpa's house. And then I'd walk out of his house, go to the left, and my cousin lived right there. And, you know, you could just walk down the block. Halloween, it was amazing because we just go house to house. Christmas, any holiday, really, Thanksgiving, you could go <laughs> visit everybody. But, yeah. Okay, what's your favorite local restaurant or food truck? Let's see. I got a, I got three I want to mention. Okay, you can, so you can do I got three. A, I love Lupita's Chili Verde. Man, that's the bomb. Sunday mornings or early in the morning, I love it. And then also Tagus Garcia, I love going for their micheladas mm-hmm. and their chanclas. Chanclas is... I've like, not ever had that. Yeah, a lot of people probably You're not to educate me on yeah, it. Yeah, so chanclas are sandals, basically, you know, in English term. But chanclas at Tagus Garcia is basically like a jalapeno popper, but these don't have uh, cream cheese. You can choose a ribeye, shrimp, or chicken, and it's just a uh, jalapeno... Bacon and zucchini. Okay. And man, it's the bomb. Wrapped around the the shrimp or yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever choice of beef meat you want, and you can put put some uh or guacamole on it or some sour cream. Okay. I usually do both, man. That's is that on the menu or is it like a secret off menu kind of thing? I don't feel like I've ever seen it. What's crazy is that I would mention it on social media a lot, and I'm not saying it's because of me, but a lot of people would hear about it. And like, oh, where the chanclas? And it wasn't on the menu maybe to like the last two or three years. Okay. So now they're on there. So if you get a chance, try them, man. They're the bomb. All right. I'm going to have to go do that then. And one more is uh, Dos Hermanos. Uh, it's a taco truck. I want to do Yeah, okay. I've seen too. that. It's right there by Fiesta Foods. And man, their asada fries are the bomb too. Okay. Those are those are great. Yeah. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the most underrated thing about living in Amarillo? Um... I don't, I don't know if I can speak for Amarillo, but I'll say for my neighborhood again, I'll go back to as far as the unity and camaraderie. Um, even though Amarillo's fast-growing city, I still feel that we still we, we have the feel of a small town. Hmm. We, uh, we help each other out. I, I can't explain it. It just feels it's like when I drive from Amarillo to, to Lubbock and I stop in Plainview or Hill Center. I, that's how Amarillo feels to me sometimes, even... Even if it is growing really fast, I still feel like that part of the neighborhood or even other parts of Amarillo, that's how it is. I'm really proud. I'm really glad that we're a tight-knit community. Yeah, we haven't lost that connection yeah, we to still, each other. Exactly. Okay, last question. When was the last time you visited Cadillac Ranch? Oh, man. I would say about seven years ago. Okay. I don't think I took a spray paint can, but I just went out there to go hang out, check it out. But I pass by it all the time. I always think about it or I always yeah. see it on social media and it's always crossing my mind, but it's been about seven years. Okay. Well, that concludes my eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience? 
Um, so we'll get back to the uh, Vario Shoe Project. That's one thing I've, I'm really trying to push right now is they're helping a lot in the community. And right now it's the east side area, but I'm sure once it grows, it'll be a citywide thing, you know, where the kids can get shoes and they'll be helped out with that. And that's, life's hard enough. I mean, shoes shouldn't be one of the things they're worrying about. Yeah, absolutely. And then another one is uh, my buddy Benji Baltazar. He has the movement. And uh, he's another big sponsor of my of the event that we have, and they just we do trunk or treats. They give out uh, turkeys for Thanksgiving, just small things throughout the neighborhood. And even though it only seems we're on like this side of town right now, we're really trying to expand throughout the city. So this is just a stepping stone to where we get where we want to be. And those are two places that were companies and. Uh, Things I would like to talk about. Okay. Those put them on, not blast, but you know, advertise for them. Yeah, no, build build up some uh, awareness of that for sure. Exactly. Okay, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes, I appreciate sir, thank it. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks again to Jeff for the interview. Thanks also to SKP Creative, to attorney Dean Boyd, and to Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting the podcast. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Hey Amarillo exists on a weekly basis because people listen to it, and that includes you. It's also supported by the local people who provide for it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Hey Amarillo's executive producers include Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Corey Burns, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Cindy Graham, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 327. My name is Jason Boyette. And I'll see you next week.